From the Greenhouse, it's episode 71 of the Adam Ragusea podcast. Lauren is here. Hello. And we are still uh, abuzz uh, from a, a delicious meal that we had last night at Ye Old Steakhouse. And that's literally what it is called. Ye Olde Steakhouse. We're going to talk about our joyous experience at Ye Olde Steakhouse, just south of Knoxville, Tennessee, in the broader kind of historical, cultural context of the great North American steakhouse institution, of which this is a, a prime example. <laughs> it's, a, it's a prime example. It was the, the laugh that you did after the pun. But no one would have... made it really... No one would have gotten it. I wouldn't have gotten credit if I had just said... Prime example, but if I alluded to American Didn't... grades of beef, of which Prime is the highest for the non-U.S. listenership, uh, to explain the do- joke, because everybody knows the way you make a joke funnier is by explaining yeah. it. Yeah. You did a really good job landing that one. Sure did. So, Ye old Steakhouse was founded in 1968 by a gentleman, I'm not making this up, named Bunt... King. Bunt King had an idea to start a fancy steakhouse on a country road called Chapman Highway, south of Knoxville, Tennessee. Um, Some places on the website, it's spelled with a D as in Bunt Cake or Bunt Pan. Other places on their website, there is no D. Interesting. I'm guessing that there is no D and then in one spot, autocorrect changed it to bunt as in bunt pan yeah i'm gonna guess that's right but regardless the man's name was bunt king and their slogan is fit for a king it's uh, it's good stuff all right now to someone who has never been to the united states please explain you know to 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 um someone in like slovakia to uh to DJ Crazy Times, or whatever the guy's name is who did the, the video. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Um, so explains it to a person of a totally foreign cultural context, foreign to you, um, what a steakhouse is where we live. It is a restaurant that serves steaks, different cuts of beef, and you order this, you pick your cut, and you pick how you want it cooked. Uh-huh. And then usually, like, you also then pick a side or two. Mm-hmm. Classic steakhouse sides usually yeah. being baked potatoes. Yes, generally a, lots of forms of potato, but the most important being the baked. You know, steamed vegetables. Sometimes you get like your creamed spinach, that kind of thing. That's the most attention you could hope for a vegetable to receive in a Yeah, they're such a very, steakhouse. they're no, they're like an old school kind of fancy. Mm. When Going to a fancy restaurant meant you were going to get to eat food you didn't normally eat, not that you were going to get, like, a fancy experience. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I suppose when people trace the lineage of the Great American Steakhouse, there's two big traditions that they usually look at. The first is the pre-existing chop house tradition from England. Um, chop houses being a form of restaurant that sort of started in London in the... Gosh, I think the late 17th century it goes back to. Um, and the idea was that you could get a single portion of meat, a, a single serving of meat cooked to order for you. And that would have been distinct from like, you know, an old school 
pub or tavern where they might have had a roast going in the back. Cut off a piece for you. Yeah, and they'd slice off a piece for you, right? This is something where you can kind of get it grilled to order or however they're going to do it. Um, And it was sort of known as like a working man's lunch, man being key to the concept. Uh, Women were generally not allowed in such establishments. It was for sort of dirty men in the middle of their dirty day working down on the Thames docks or whatever, they could swing in and to this like dirty all-male place, get some piece of mutton probably more often, um, cooked off really quick for them to fuel them and they would uh, go back to work. And this is a time when meat consumption in Britain was changing really rapidly um, thanks to all of the the grain and meat producing capacity of the colonies, Um, you know, as, as grain, as grain, very productive grain producing colonies matured in, in the Americas, for example, in Canada or uh, uh, elsewhere around the world, um, more acreage on the actual island of Britain could be dedicated to wool and meat production. And that's where you get the Highland clearances where they kicked all of the peasants off of the land in the highlands mm. because it was just more profitable for the landlords to grow sheep there than to have humans paying rent. Mm. And that's how a lot of Scottish people got here. Um, and uh, so, so you had like, so you had new areas of Britain, new pasture opened up for meat production. And at the same time, like New Zealand and Australia got incredibly good at like shipping meat literally across the world. Um, and all of that meant that like meat was now affordable to that working Joe in a way that it had not previously been. What do you call a working Joe in England? Surely that's not what they say. What do they say? I have no idea. <laughs> Your average Daily Mail reader. Let's see if that translates. Brits. Um, but anyways, so uh, so there's the chop house tradition, which fully came over to the United States with English settlers. And then there's also the beefsteak banquet which would have been like a not a restaurant but like a fancy a, a fancy private dining tradition where if you wanted to show your friends how rich you were and how to entertain them you would have a beefsteak banquet um which i think probably initially would have been done in private homes and then you would have had establishments that kind of existed for catering beefsteak beefsteak banquets that were the opposite of like dirty they would have been like really 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 fancy and incredibly expensive and i guess would would have allowed women in some cases um who whatever the 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 person throwing the party would want um and so it's sort of kind of those two traditions that get schmooshed into the great american steakhouse which is a category of restaurant in which there is incredibly wide variety. You know, everything from like very inexpensive kind of family style operations to white tablecloths, yeah, China. A place where like a steak will run, a normal steak will run, you know, $200, you mm-hmm. know, um, or more. And Ye Olde Steakhouse, mm-hmm. um, south of Knoxville, Tennessee on Chapman Highway, recently ranked. Best steakhouse in the SEC. Oh, uh-huh. that's actually a really big deal. The Explain SEC. that one to somebody in Slovakia. So American football at the college level. Gridiron is, football, yes, not played, soccer. Yes, American football oh, yes. is uh, played in at the college level in conferences, and the Southeastern Conference, or the SEC, has long been the most competitive and 
biggest tradition and market of all college football and the towns that host the different college teams are very competitive with one another about who has the better college town and better college atmosphere. I think Knoxville is very lucky to be a big city, so uh-huh. we have lots to offer. Oh, yeah. Um, including the oldie steakhouse out on Chapman Highway. <laughs> um, and it because, is- because steakhouses are a very big part of the college football tradition, right? Yeah, steak uh, steakhouses and barbecue probably the two big yeah. ones. Well, it's like steakhouse is the upper market option. Like if you have rich parents, yeah, they're they're gonna and they're coming to visit you homecoming weekend for a for a football college football yeah. game, they'll take you to the steakhouse. Well, it's also they can be places where like the people who have the cultural capital to know what the good places are will have standing reservations for football weekends. Dang. And, you know... The way you put that was... <laughs> so it, it can, in some ways, be sort of a sign of cultural capital, classism, etc. Yeah. Wealth. And, all, and the wealth to know that it's not weird that you're walking into a place with, like, you know, a, a red and white checkered tablecloth, which would be not... Not an indication of a high-class establishment. Like, really, like, paper napkins and stuff like that. Yeah. You could walk into a place like that, and the stakes are still $200, and and Mm -hmm. you're rich enough and experienced enough to know why that is the case. Mm -hmm. Right? Whereas, You're not going to walk in and be like, what the heck? Yeah, somebody less cultured would be like, look at the menu, and they'd be like, what? You know, because you can get a steak for for $12 elsewhere in the United States. At the Outback. Yeah. It's probably more than $12 nowadays. Probably nine. I bet they have... It's a, one banana. I bet, what could it cost? I bet the steak... $10? I bet the steak dinner at Outback is like $19.99 still. Maybe like so? maybe like $22.99. Right, 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 That's right. That's my guess. Now, there, the ye old steakhouse is more in the like... Your Middle ba- market. Your base steaks are going to be like... Your, your lower level steaks are going to be like $50, uh-huh, yeah. and then they go up from there. But there's no, like, there's no, I don't recall there being a steak that was more than $100. Um, there might have been, like, one. But it's not, they don't have their own dry aging program no. in the basement or anything like that. You know, this it's pretty place basic. Does, they're not putting on airs yeah. at Ye old Steakhouse. No, they are not. And yet, people were, I mean, we went right when they opened on a Saturday at 4 p.m., there was already a line out the door. Mm-hmm. There were not one but two parking lot attendants yeah, working the, the parking lot to, to make, make sure, sure that everybody yeah. gets in and out. Maximize the parking area because it's it's like set off the literally off the side of the highway. It's a road. It's, it's an like old two, car, We call it a roadside yeah. place in the United it's States. It's like two yeah. car lengths off of yeah, whizzing like, cars. It's that by. kind of place where the parking lot in front, directly in front of the establishment, it's just one takes row. up the entire width yeah. of of the the shoulder in but between. It's like, and then it's like set into the side of like a hill slash mountain, completely covered in kudzu. Which yeah, is a, and so you like go up and park behind it, but then you could theoretically like walk right off the hill onto the roof of the restaurant. <laughs> In fact, one of our kids was like, let's go on the roof. I was like, no, <laughs> no, 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 no we're not no. doing that. <laughs> so we're talking about a pretty no-frills place mm-hmm. for a pretty no-frills steak, and yet it was completely packed. It takes skill to do that. Mm-hmm. And if uh, only skilled people were willing to share their skills with you and I. Well done. Oh, wait, they are. Over at Skillshare, sponsor of this episode. Get a one-month free trial of Skillshare with my link in the description. 
Skillshare offers detailed video-based classes on a very wide variety of topics, most of them creatively focused, like graphic design, uh, user experience design, illustration, photography, animation, music production, music theory, marketing, and a whole lot of like entrepreneurial skills, skills for building your own business empire, or just for taking care of your houseplants, and everything in between. I make my living on YouTube. I believe in YouTube as a platform for edutainment, but less so as a platform for actual educational content. Straight up instructional content tends to be pretty messy on the wider internet. You get chaotic organization, unreliable information, whole lot of problems. I've also previously made my living in mainstream higher education, and I believe in formalized education, but it has its downsides too. I need not even list them for you. I believe the most significant new frontier in education is informal, internet-enabled self-education, and Skillshare is right on the vanguard there. It's amazing to see what you can learn to do if there's just somebody on the screen who can reliably, efficiently, respect your time and intelligence and get you started. Would it help you at work, or would it help you to get new work if you were awesome at social video? Well, Skillshare has these things called learning paths that are sequences of multiple Skillshare classes, and they have a learning path on video production specifically for social media. It's four classes that build on top of each other, and all you need to follow along is and do your homework and stuff is uh, your phone camera and some editing software. The first class teaches you the basics, second class teaches you about good storytelling as it pertains to social video, and the third class shows you how to get like more cinematic looks from a phone or other cheap camera, and the fourth class brings it all together, helps you make a compelling vertical vid that millions of people on Instagram might want to stop scrolling and watch. Whatever skill you want to pick up for whatever your reasons are, you can probably get what you're looking for at Skillshare for a ridiculously modest price, especially considering the cost of more formal education. And the first thousand of you can get a one-month free trial when you use my link in the description. That's one month of Skillshare free with my link, which is in the description or the show notes, depending on where you get in this podcast. One month free with my link. Thank you, Skillshare. Anywho, so ye oldie steakhouse... Ragusia tangent. Great. You're going to love it. I'm so excited. Ye old. Oh. Did they actually spell it like Y-E-E -E and then old with an E at the end, oldie? Did they actually used to do that in the olden times? Or is that like a modern affectation? Okay. Where's your money go? Here's my question. Are you asking me, but secretly you know the answer? I know the answer. Okay. But I want to see where you would put your money down. Like, is that a, a legitimately old thing, or is it a fake new thing? Yieldy. Calling an, a, a, some kind of business establishment yieldy as a means of indicating some ancient oh, pedigree. I don't feel like businesses were called that. I feel like that was like an idiom of the time. Uh-huh. Which time? The back time. The old, the old time. Okay, so you think it's like a real thing, right? Sure. Okay. So it sort of is, but mostly it's fake. Okay. Um, and it's it's old fake, meaning that according to the Oxford English Dictionary, like a kind of intentionally affected use of ye olde in order to make something sound older than it actually is. That goes back to like the 19th century. Oh. People have been doing that. So it's it's new ye olde. Um, or it's old, it's old new ye olde. Um, and then in terms of like the actual words, um, we use ye to mean the, right, the definite article, the, the old steakhouse. 
That's not what ye meant. Ye meant you. It was a second person right. plural pronoun, I think. You all is what it means. Y'all, I guess. Um, but uh, the, uh, and then old, yes, in some very old spellings had an E at the end, but not very commonly. And the reason, however, that ye came to be used as a the in this context is that early movable type printers, which were built in Germany and therefore not with the English alphabet, lacked the letter thorn, which is an old uh, a letter that English used to have. Is that the one that looked like V? I like how you did like a a really cool looking V for victory when you did that. People on home video can appreciate that. Um, Yeah, no, no, it looked more like a backwards P or a nine or something. And it it was for the TH sound, right? So that's, it was, the was spelled with a thorn. Um, The printing presses did not have a thorn and the closest character, visually speaking, was the Y. Ah. So they often used a Y instead of a thorn. And that's how people got the impression that ye is an old English way to say the. Whereas in fact, although that was an old English way to spell the, it was never an old English way to pronounce the, because they were always using the Y as a stand-in for the thorn, which is pronounced the. Now, aren't you glad you waited around for that? Mm -hmm. Come on. That was good. That's what people come to me for. That's not what you come to me for. No. That's what everybody else comes to me for, to the extent that they come to me at all. It's a little hot and a little late. Oh, okay. Oh, I thought you were like, oh, it's getting hot in here. No. Whew, keep talking all that etymology to me, boy. Damn. Uh, all right. It's getting so hot in here. So hot. <laughs> all right. We did the etymology tangent. Uh, Yield Steakhouse. Did we do the etymology tangent? Did we? we? Could we could we really say that we did that? So we're to describe the interior of Ye Old Steakhouse. It looks like a log cabin meets barn. Yeah. Yeah, there's it's very barny in its in its in its yeah. brown very aggressive in its brown woodiness mm-hmm. on the interior. And then which is like kind of you know in, indicate used in like American vernacular architecture to indicate kind of manly ruggedness. Like, cause you, cause when you, if you were to go and, you know, stake out a claim on the frontier, i.e. attempt to steal land from some native people. Um, the first thing that you, a man would do is he would build, build a log cabin from all of the trees that he is felling to create um, place to, places to farm as though native people did not uh, clear fields with fire and had not done so for many Many, many centuries. But anyways, um, so it's supposed to like look ragged and manly, Mm -hmm. but it has these window treatments on it. Oh, yeah. They're very like modern medieval. (laughs) (laughs) Like they have their valance, their heavy drapes with valances at the top. Definitely. That's what that's called. The sort of like pediment of drape on the top is a valance. Yeah. And they like, I don't know. Your grand, your great grandmother probably had them, and if she was a little fancy, had them in her house. Yeah. Um, and you don't see them they're ca- anywhere yeah. anymore. Yeah, I'm trying to think because they get dirty and smelly, right? Yeah, they get real dusty, and yeah. then if they hang in the window over time, they fade. Yeah. Um. 
But there is, so there is, when I was trying to kind of find the historical antecedents for the modern American classic steakhouse, one thing that I found was like chop houses where famously they never cleared the cobwebs off the ceiling. And what they would do is actually over decades cultivate a carpet of cobweb off hanging off the ceiling that they would even like trim to keep it from getting into men's hats and stuff like that. Kind of disgusting, right? Yeah. Um, it's such a shame they didn't let women It's such a shame go. they let women... Exactly. Can't imagine why women... Didn't, we're, we're, we're clamoring, clamoring. yeah, exactly. Saying respect our rights to be in there with the cobwebs. They're like, oh, honey, you yeah. can have that. <laughs> oh, so that is sort of that's a historical anecdote that I think is remembered chiefly because it is disgusting. Mm-hmm. But I do want to raise a possibility that it might have actually functioned as um, as an air filter in there. Because like what it what is an, an like a HEPA filter or something, but like a big mass of filaments to which particles can stick. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. And and especially before they had sort of modern ventilation, and they're back there frying off steaks. There would have been oil droplets, you know, just filling. And I think it all would have sort of passed through the filter of the ceiling. Um, and I wonder if big curtains used to sort of do a similar function in restaurants, oh, gross. which is kind of disgusting to think about. Yeah, now that I think about it, those curtains at ye- although they did have a very big and effective vent hood, they did. So, well, ye old steakhouse did burn to the ground. All the way to in, the ground? Not all the way to the ground. Okay. It was gutted. Is was the word used mm-hmm. in the news report in two thousand two? Um, and all I could find about that, by the way was a news report saying that it was like it was a teenager who did it oh. who had been a busboy there and was like emotionally troubled kid and did it and then ended up whatever deal they did with the prosecutor meant that this kid got charged as an adult and ended up doing years in you know years for it but but was still able to leave with his record expunged for oh. which it's like I guess that's the deal that they offered yeah. but it's like what the hell are you doing like a, ki- a kid, yes, yeah, a, a troubled kid started a fire. That's not a good thing. No. But the the notion that for years a child was incarcerated for that is so unbelievably offensive to my sense of justice that. Oh God. Okay. That's another tangent. It is. Well, that's what we do around here. So. Um, Can we talk about the food? Yeah. So <laughs> the food. Um, we ordered. Our steaks. Mm-hmm. We got an appetizer. Got an appetizer of grilled some sh- shrimp, shrimp with drawn butter. Yeah, which it it was done a little bit. I think it might have been that like we were so early that the all the creosote hadn't been kind of knocked off the grill yet. So like these fish, these shrimp came back, which are fish. I should I, should, I, should, I ought not have corrected myself just then. They're, they're mollusks. Are they not? Are those not shellfish? Are sh- are shellfish not fish? I don't think so. Oh, okay. Now I want to know. All right. Well, you look that up. It's not like we're doing a podcast or anything. <laughs> so, um, yeah, those shrimp came out kind of blackened, even though they weren't blackened. They had like black dust on them, which was a little bit unfortunate. But everything else we had from the grill was fantastic. Um, th- yeah, the way that such a steak is usually prepared in such a, an establishment is with tons and tons of drawn butter ladled on top of it. 
drawn butter being butter that has been brought to a boil so that all of the milk solids coagulate and then fall to the bottom. And then you can either pour off the pure fat that's on top or you can ladle it off in a, the physical action of drawing. You are drawing it off, hence it is called drawn butter. So yeah, grilling a steak really hot by pouring drawn butter over it, that is hardly new. What I did see that I had not seen in person before, though I've heard of it happening, was when I went to go pick up one of the kids and like, you know, pick them up on my shoulder to show them the grill. Mm -hmm. And I saw the grillman's secret at the old steakhouse, which is that they have a big cauldron of water mm -hmm. into which they put all of the meat to be grilled. Hmm. And it looks like it's hot water. It's like cooking them, you know, it's like simmering. Oh. It's like this simmering stock, basically. And all of the steaks to be cooked next are like lined up in this simmering broth. And I think it gives them a, a head start mm. so it doesn't take so long to grill. And it can also maybe, you know, grill a little more evenly. Mm. Um, and then it also, I don't know this, but I wonder if it like yields an incredible beef stock at the end of the night. Because lots of the things that we ate clearly had like beef stock or beef stock flavoring yeah. in it that was very scrumptious. And I wonder if that's where it emanates from, but I had not seen that before. And that was interesting. Hmm. And I know, and I'm not sort of, I'm not impugning, um, yield steakhouse at all. I think that's, that's a clever technique and it works and that's good. By the way, mm. shellfish yes. are not technically fish. Okay. They're biologically different from fish. Wow. Okay. Now you know. Thank you. You're welcome. So you're supposed to do more. It's gonna be a whole tangent. You gotta like turn it into like well, a whole narrative, okay. a little miniature narrative I thread. I just asked Google. Oh, okay. You did to do research before these. Yeah, I know. It's. I want everyone watching to know that like I. The thing is that I come into this fresh. It's true. Yeah. And you come into it heavily researched, and so. I know, but you were looking at your phone for so, a long time. Sometimes, well, because. There, oh, you'd moved on to the next thing? No, 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 no. It was <laughs> it was confused because it was like, well, shellfish are seafood, and uh -huh. I was like, that I don't care about. I want to know unless they're fish. unless they're freshwater shellfish. Oh, that's my favorite thing on the internet is when yeah. people get mad at me for uh, describing freshwater fish, fish as being seafood, seafood. but it's like the Colo sea colloquial. Colo yes, exactly. Because the only what I could say that would be correct is I could say aquatic food, but that's, that's not, doesn't really, ro ro yeah. That's dumb. But anyway, back, back to me. <laughs> you I come just, into this cold. Yeah, I just Unlike want Unlike your every hot, hot steak, which is what we should really be talking about. Well, I just want everyone to know that I'm not like a, sometimes, I worry that sometimes I come off as like a, a bobble-headed idiot, and it's just that I have not spent my whole Sunday. I know, I know. Researching. This pod. The history of steakhouses. You know who we're like? I just like, ate at the steakhouse. You know who we're like? We are like, um... Donna and uh, what's his name? Josh. From Josh from the West oh, Wing. Oh, where I'm like, Josh, tell yes. me about the legislative process. I've only worked in Washington for six years. Yeah. I know nothing. Yes, you are You are the canvas onto which I vomit my exposition. Yes, I, I serve up the, I, I, I do the layups uh -huh. for the, ex yeah. And it's worth pointing out that I asked her to do this because... I, I think she's delightful, chiefly, <laughs> but also because, like, I can't be unscripted by myself. You've, you've seen me try it. It doesn't work. Anyways, hot, hot meat is what we're here to talk about. So usually because it's, like, well-rested, the meat will come on a hot plate, um, and it, like, sort of the, 
the most famous chain American steakhouse called Ruth's Chris because it was a woman named Ruth who bought a, a, a steakhouse named after a guy named Chris, <laughs> um, which is all true. Um, like they'll actually serve it on a sizzle plate, like a plate that oh, you yeah. know that was like under the broiler or As something. As does the outback in Western Sizzler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just you just put fresh horn. butter over top this hot yeah. plate, and it sizzles like hell, and it makes it sound like the steak is hot off the grill, like fajitas. Which of course it's not. You wouldn't want your steak to be hot off the grill because it must because rest. it should should rest. But most people are dumb, and they they just want it to be. You know, they think sizzling means good yeah so you create the sizzle and at the same time the sizzle reheats the steak slightly after it is rested yes. it's a brilliant system and then they'll you know ladle some more butter on top maybe and so your your filet came like swimming in drawn butter which yes. was pretty awesome i must yes. say um so i you could run their pieces through the river oh, through, the, through the rubber of butter yeah exactly mm. um I went for the prime rib. Yeah, you did. Because I said to the lady working there, who seemed like she had worked there her entire adult life, um, in a good way, like in a really good way, mm. like she like she knew this place inside yeah, and out. She was no nonsense. yeah, no nonsense. And she was just like, well, you know, we're a steakhouse, but like, we're, you know, our specialty is our prime rib. So I got the prime rib, and the prime rib. It's funny because like your mother was eating a ribeye steak yes. across from me, and that's the exact same piece of meat just prepared radically different ways, oh. right? Where like for a ribeye steak, you cut the meat before you cut, cook it with a with a, a prime rib, you cook the meat before you cut it. It's that simple, mm-hmm. right? But they can roast, they roast it for a very long time at a low temperature and it kind of tenderizes a little bit, gets these really roast meaty flavors that I suspect maybe are from like stock granules rubbed on the outside, MPW style, or they might be using real beef stock that they make in-house. I don't know what they do, but they get like, I'm not complaining about it either way. Any In any case, got that like really hardcore, like almost soup-like beef flavor. Yes. You know? How did you order your prime rib? Medium rare. Medium rare. Yeah. Um, as as one does, um, and and the great thing about it when you get like that at a classic steakhouse is that it's served in a rimmed plate, so that it's swimming in in the jus, the yes. broth. You know, the the which should which should at a really good place not be brown, which indicates it's just like it's basically just reduced beef stock or something mm. that they've got in the back. At a good place, it should be pink. Tinged. So everyone thinks it's blood, but it's not. It's actually juices see from the video. <laughs> see the video that I did about that. Exactly. Yes. So here at Ye Old Steakhouse, it was pink tinged liquid. And at the same time, it also tasted like Campbell's beef soup in a good way, in the way that I wanted. Adam drank. I he lifted up... his plate. We have a video. Were you embarrassed? Um, I did notice that there was a man to your right at the next table who was looking at you with what I felt was envy and admiration because oh. it seemed like his wife would not have allowed that to happen. But it could, could also <laughs> have been disgust, right? I, no, I don't no? think okay. so. All right. No, he looked pretty, he kind of looked like attaboy. <laughs> He's an older man. <laughs> now, normally you'd have baked potato. Yes. At such an establishment. Um and in fact, I believe the the use, you know, the classic steakhouse presentation of the baked potato wrapped in aluminum, aluminum foil. foil was and like slid open. an innovation of the steakhouse because they found that if this new product in the world, this aluminum foil, if you wrap the potato in that, you could just leave it in the oven or under a heat lamp mm. all day and it would yeah. not dry out. Um, 
But I got, what were those potatoes called? Like woodshed potatoes. Woodshed potatoes. I was going to say yeah. sawdust potatoes. They were like half moons of potatoes, like pretty thin, not too thin sliced, but with car- caramelized, sauteed with caramelized onions and then like a thick cracked pepper mm-hmm. yeah. all over. Loved that. They were decadent. I think had had been cooked with some beef stock. Yeah, they were um, so good. Oh my god, that was the best potato dish I've had in quite some time, yeah. including those cooked by me for videos. It, I, I can genuinely say I don't think I've ever seen anything like that at another restaurant yeah. or had anything like that. Like it, that was a new product for me. <laughs> it had that taste of pepper, black pepper, where you're like, oh. Most of the times when I put pepper into things, I don't taste it at yeah, all. Yeah, I mean, it was like... Because you're like, you're like, oh, this taste, this this aggressive black pepper taste, I never noticed this in all of the things that I put black pepper in. Yeah. This is, is what it actually tastes it like. It was like, it was like spi- pepper spicy, yeah, peppery. Yeah, smacking you in the face. Yeah, it was good. Hell yeah. What was that called again one more time? Woodshed. Woodshed potatoes, potatoes. at Ye Old Steakhouse. Five star, yeah. unironic review. Yeah. Takes skill to produce such a side. If you're looking for such stone-cold professionals as those who prepared that potato dish to staff your business, well, consider hiring them with Indeed, sponsor of this episode, and the number one source for hires in the United States, according to Talent Nest. Get a $75 sponsored job credit right now at Indeed.com slash Ragusea. Three million businesses worldwide use Indeed to find and hire great talent fast. You can attract, interview, and hire people all in the same place with Indeed instead of spending hours bouncing between multiple job sites. Indeed is all you need to find great people. Indeed streamlines hiring with a powerful set of tools to find you matched candidates. With Instant Match, for example, more than 80% of employers are finding quality candidates whose resume matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job. That's according to Indeed's U.S. data. And you can reach out to candidates through Indeed. Maybe invite them to do a virtual interview or an assessment. Candidates you invite to apply are three times more likely to apply for your job than if they just see your job in search. And Indeed is the hiring platform that matches you with quality candidates instantly, doing the hard work for you. Indeed shows you candidates whose resumes fit your description immediately after you post so that you can hire faster. Get yourself someone who works like they were born in your establishment, like the type that we've been discussing at this lovely steak restaurant. Start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash Ragusea. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 job credit now at Indeed.com slash Ragusea. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We need to discuss any remaining culinary things. How would you rate your steak? Um, <laughs> sorry, that was hilarious. I had to lean her in toward the microphone, sorry, people yeah. listening. As I get relaxed, I lean back into my chair and I'm not supposed to you're do not, that. You're not supposed to be relaxed. Because then on camera, I look wee and also you can't hear me. Um, so the piece of meat was excellent. Like it was very, it was a filet. It was very tender. Tough to screw up. Yeah. I'll be honest. I prefer the steaks that you make mm-hmm. they are more flavorful right um this is a place where they're more trying to like highlight the beef the, yeah it is meat flavored <laughs> which is good but to me at this point in my life 
I mean, I'm glad that Ye Old Steakhouse has like not changed at all yeah. in in 60 years. That's really really good. I don't want it to change. I don't want it to modernize. Yeah. I want Ye Olde Steakhouse to remain as Ye Olde as possible. But if I go to a steakhouse, especially one where I'm going to spend a lot more than that, like, you know, hundreds of dollars for a steak. I want them to spoon the butter and garlic and rosemary over my steak. Like you do. Oh, yeah, sure. So you can do sort of like, you know, more aggressive butter, you, like like a Peter Luger, which is one of, you know, one of the prototypical great American steakhouses, you know, swim, sort of their steaks swimming in butter. Um, well, no, uh, like Ruth, when you Ruth's Chris you, swimming yeah. in butter. But like yeah. you do the, there's ro- the rosemary and the garlic and it's in the pan and you tilt the pan and then you're like spooning the butter. and the Yeah, bu- I mostly do that because it looks hot. It tastes hot, um, too. But, yeah, you can put garlic in there. Usually they wouldn't yeah. do garlic in a place like this. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, is right. I want the garlic and the rosemary. I want I Well, want what I really want flavors. is I want I want dry-aged, okay? Oh. At this point, I think we've pretty well established that, like, that kind of beef experience where, like, you, all your, what you, you just want to take, it's no, you know, no, 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 it's just a, it's just a cut of meat that has been cooked until done. And you're, you're there to taste the beef. I think it's pretty well established that the, as much as anything can be objectively true in food, I think it's pretty well established that most people who really love steak want a steak that has been not only dry-aged, but dry-aged for sufficient time. Like, there's lots of dry-aged beef on the market that's been dry-aged like three weeks, four weeks. And you, you get some enzymatic tenderization with that kind of dry-aging, but you don't get any of the like lipid oxidization or the breakdown of proteins into glutamic acids that creates umami. All that stuff happens over like much longer time scales and often requires, you know, specialized micro flora and fauna. No, what are fungi? Fungi? Micro, microorganisms. Microorganisms, that's what I'm looking for. The in- inclusive term. So glad I could Thank help. you. Microorganisms. <laughs> um, to get like a really great dry aged product. And this is a place where they're still kind of serving, you know, prime, great, great beef, prime beef in the case of the steaks that are actually grated prime or whatever they're selling, a really good product, but they're just kind of taking it out of the bag and cutting it and, and grilling it. And I, I just sort of, I, I think I want more than that these days. I also, and I was really glad I got the prime rib for this reason. I'm just really over burnt taste as 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 mm. a feature of your classic grilled steak dinner oh. you know mine did not have that didn't have much yeah didn't have much i ordered my medium and i would say it came medium rare mm. which is fine that's why i always order it medium yeah because less than medium rare and i'm not eating it so you presume that most most if it, slightly, slightly less capable grillmen will sh- overshoot uh, the mark. They'll undershoot. So if I oh. order it medium, I'm gonna like it fine, which is like a little pink in the middle. Yeah. If they undershoot it, then it'll be medium rare, and I can do that too. Yeah. But if I order it medium rare and they undershoot it, then it'll be rare, and I don't want it. And yeah. I also do not want to send it back. Yeah. So I'll just be sad. Yeah. Um, but so I tend, even though I like, I like medium rare, I usually order my steaks medium unless it's like a, you know, a, a really, really fancy, pl- like the kind of place where like 
the grill man is going to be berated mercilessly yeah, by an yeah. evil chef if he gets it wrong. Like, yeah. those are the places where your steak's going to be right every time. Right. This is a place where, like, a guy in a Call of Duty t-shirt is, like, turning steaks over He was wearing a Call long. of Duty t-shirt. And he did a great job. Yeah, yeah. But, like, I understand that he's not going to bat a thousand. Nobody does. Yeah. And he might miss. And so I wouldn't And it was all old school. I didn't see any thermometers. That dude's doing no, everything no, no. by touch. And, yeah. And he... he Pretty much nailed it. I yeah. Mean, from what I saw. Yeah, he did a great job. Um, yeah, that was that was really good. But I also I just think that like, you know, steak snobbery <laughs> or steak steak high level cultivated steak appreciation no. has really coalesced around the the broiler slash grill mm-hmm. you know slash indirect heat or no direct. Sorry, what is that? That's direct convec- conductive heat? No. Ah, what the hell is that? A thing that's a really hot thing that heats your steak from above without touching it. A broiler. A broiler, like a salamander is what they might call yeah. it in a, in a restaurant nowadays that are, that are much more intense. Mm-hmm. Super hot, right? Um, get thousands of degrees, right? But that's really the best way to cook a steak because you know you can still get that deep roasted flavor that you wouldn't be able to get at home but it doesn't have the like creosote, that kind of you know burnt taste of the grill. I think the grill is that's yesterday's method, best left in the past. Though again, I'm very glad that there are places like Yoldi that preserve little bubbles of the past, and yeah. I don't want it to change the, one bit. The thing about Ye Old Steakhouse is that there are two types, two kind of groups of customers there. Yeah, there are people for whom that's what they've always known for steak. That's like that is. The meal they are going there for, like, that's what they want. And then there's a group of people who go there for the whole restaurant experience feeling retro and vintage. Yes. And not not to laugh at it, Mm -hmm. not ironically. Yeah, there's nothing ironic about this place at all. To genuinely enjoy, like, we weren't going there to make fun of that place. We were going there to enjoy a a good steak. Yeah. And in in a whole you know, soup to nuts experience of like... The crackers. Did we talk about the crackers? Oh, we forgot about... Okay, so instead of a bread basket, ye old steakhouse, you get to the table and it's a a wicker basket filled with... um, Individually wrapped. Captain's wafers. You know, the little two in a package. I remember going to... All restaurants used to have those. Yeah, they would come... Like everyone at the table when you were a kid would get a salad. Yeah. And then you'd be like, can I have your crackers? Can I have your crackers? Yeah. You'd be like collecting. you totally fill up on crackers before you actually yeah. had to eat your dinner. Which is what our children did. Yeah. <laughs> um, and but in this place, there was crackers and... It was pub cheese, I think. Yeah, this like, like orange cheese spread. That was sort n- of soft. Yeah. My mom loves it. It was not It was not pimento cheese. Don't, no, don't no, write no, us no, in no. to say that. No, 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 no. It was like pub cheese. Yeah, it was a homogenous mixture. Like, okay, so you, like Wisconsinites will understand. Midwestern people, you get a cheese ball with the nuts on the outside and inside is like a bright neon orange cheese. Yeah. That's... It was the okay, inside yeah. of a cheese ball. And when you spread it on the crackers, what it tasted exactly like, and I, I was in elementary school again, was handy snacks. <laughs> Remember yeah. handy snacks? Mm-hmm. There's this little pre, pre, you know, little snack pack, prepackaged snack pack that had a little orange piece of plastic in it, red piece of plastic in it they that you would use the, to spread. They don't have the spreader in them Oh, anymore. you can't. You just oh, dip the Some crackers. kid probably choked on it yeah oh it's just unnecessary plastic oh i guess there's that too yeah would your mom tell you about the the pub cheese they because my mom has been going here for you know we've lived in the area for 40 years i guess how old am i 40 so 35 years right 
32 years. Um, and that it used to be they had these, like, crocs that had the cheese in it, and they would, the cheese would, like, go from table to table. Oh, like a thing of ketchup that you reuse. I think so. Whoa. And then uh, uh, now a, ju- a jug of cheese now was in, passed around in, like ketchup. Yeah, or maybe, I don't know, I have to, what did she say? Okay, she says, 20 years ago, they put the pub cheese in little crocs that I'm assuming got moved from table to table. The pandemic taught us how gross that was. Then they were washed and refilled. Oh, no, no, yeah, they went from table to table, and when they were out, they were washed and refilled. The individual pub cheese container is a nod to the pandemic. Wow. Which, thank you. Yeah. That seems... I bet it was fine. I mean, I... My guess is that that substance s- was so high fat and so high salt that, like, nothing could live in there. Uh, yuck. Um, yuck. And let's, like, also, like, you know, make room for the possibility that your mom's memory might not be totally correct. We might be slandering a no, business. No, yeah, I'm uh, sure. Maybe, I totally, maybe that was a yeah. single serving of cheese totally for each table. I totally believe it happened, and I'm sure it was fine, but also I'm glad that now they give you an individual plastic cup yeah. of the cheese spread. But croc, visually, that would be nice. I, we did not go to places like that when I was a kid. We, When I was a kid, we went to, we went to places, the, the like, Places that were designed to be the cheap chain version of that kind of restaurant. Like Longhorn? Ponderosa was the uh, one that we always went to. Was that a buffet? Yeah, I did have a buffet. Mm-hmm. Oh, the steak buffet. Oh, what Is a that like, place. what was like the... That yeasty rolls, that these delicious yeasty rolls. Golden Corral. Golden Corral is another place like that, yeah. And the frozen yogurt machine oh, with all the a toppings. Thing that extruded soft serve frozen yogurt and you could put toppings on it. Yeah. Hell Yeah. Yeah, I think those kinds of chain restaurants were meant to be kind of democratizing versions of the sort of more mid-market steakhouse that we went to at Yoldi. And then there's the like hot upper market, which, which is like the place in Macon, Downtown Grill. I, it, I wouldn't. They it might, wanted they to might be. aspire to that kind. Of, well, I a mean, lovely it, place, Downtown yeah. Grill in Macon. It was it was white tablecloths. Yeah. You know, white cloth napkins, dim lighting, it all felt very rich and like it was trying to be the 21 Club. Yeah. Like it wanted to be the 21 Club, which is a famous New York. Yeah. um, yeah, Aspiring to that. It was known for being a place where you walked through the bar to get to the restaurant and people could still smoke cigars. Yeah, and you'd choke through your cigar smoke on the way in. Yeah, you had a gauntlet to to pass. But there was something charmingly old school about that, as as was the case with the food. We we would go back there again, for sure. But, um, now, when I think of, like, really, really expensive steakhouses now, what I think are kind of two different strains. Mm -hmm. There's, like, the foodie strain, which is, I don't even need to say any more than that, right? Just, okay. So... Then there's the it's probably like, Edison bulbs hanging over the table. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Boom. <laughs> and they're, and they're going to tell you about exactly what microbiota they use well, in their dry be age like, room. Your steak today is named Charles, oh, that's right. and he lived his, his papers, life the, on a farm in Hudson. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Anyways, so and then on the other side, there's the like. I guess it's like the red state version of that, or the the one that's like. Like Capital Grill, that which is a chain of oh, places yeah. of ex- very high end steakhouses where they always build them in like state capitals. Mm-hmm. Like there's one right off uh, uh, the Capitol near the Capitol building in Indianapolis that I always oh, thought yeah. was very fancy. Well, St. Elmo's. And there's St. Elmo's in yeah, okay, St. Elmo's in Indianapolis where Mike Tyson 
infamously. Sure. Yeah. If you okay. if you watched Parks and Rec, Ron Swanson talked about St. Elmo's. Oh, they didn't that, they didn't name it as such, but it was clearly inspired by St. Elmo's. No, that was a St. different Elmo's. place. Oh, really? Okay. He, okay. In Parks and Rec, Ron Swanson wants to go to the one steakhouse that he gets there and it's been closed by the health department. Yeah. And not to say that Ye Old Steakhouse has any health. It, it's not. But I think Ye Old Steakhouse is more like that place. Oh. And then later he goes to St. Elmo's. It's, that is like sure, okay. peak fancy. Well, here's the thing. I guess what I'm talking about is like, I'm talking about like, yeah, Ron Swanson fancy. Yeah. Right? It's, um, you know, you could actually maybe put Ruth's Chris under into that category. Um, you know, it's not it's not affordable. Um, you know, the, the places that are very much about like the leather and the whiskey and the cigars. Yeah. They're going to give you um, your scotch with yeah. your, the place where like power players or like dudes who fancy themselves power players. Well, go. those, those are the places that sort of stopped advancing in 1995. Huh? To me. Okay. You know, like they hit their peak in 1995. Yeah. When, like, men in suits were still making every single decision. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good. Now they're just making most of them. <laughs> wow, that was such spot-on analysis. Thank you, honey. <laughs> that was great. I think you really broke new ground there. <laughs> sure. Wow. My cultural breakdown of the steakhouse. Yeah. I will say about St. Elmo's and the old steakhouse, both famously had Peyton Manning as a frequent guest uh-huh. because Peyton Manning, when he played at UT, would go to Ye Old and his the Manning family. Yeah, and his signed portrait was above our heads yes. as we dined. And then also he would famously go to St. Elmo's in Indianapolis when he played for the Colts. Right. Ma- Peyton likes a good steak, is what I'm saying. Yeah, that, that reminds me because there's the there's the sort of within that subcategory of Ron Swanson fancy. Steakhouses, there's like the Ron Swanson Fancy Steakhouse that is owned by a former athlete. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And gosh, I remember when I was working at uh, Mercer, my colleagues and I were were doing a conference to recruit students somewhere in Florida. I was Orlando. And we had been like working all day, like, you know, just just shilling our program and trying to get students to come to our school. And we were just exhausted and completely starved at the end of the day. And there was no food anywhere. We didn't have like a car. You can't get anywhere without a car in Orlando. And so we were like, oh, this is like a conference center hotel. Let's go to like the restaurant that's here. And so we like walk into this restaurant. It was a steak restaurant owned by like some like 19, I looked him up, some 1980s NFL player. Um, and we all sat down and I said to my boss at the time, I said, Hey, you think we should really be eating here? It's going to be expensive. He's like, Oh God, it's fine. And then we, we looked inside the, the menus and like the steaks were like $300. And then we were just like, we had to stand up and just do our walk of shame <laughs> right back out again. They'd clearly seen it before. No one said anything. They, they all, because, because we bore our shame with dignity, <laughs> I think they showed us respect by allowing us to just walk out there without any further acknowledgement or conversation. No. I'll always be th- grateful to them for that. And I'll be grateful to you for having listened to this entire episode of the Adam Ragusea podcast. Um, I think that this was a lot of fun, and I kind of feel like we should do more episodes like this. Like, anytime we eat anywhere remarkable, the two okay. of us, I think that we should do a review. 
Do we need like a rating system? No. No? No. Okay. I think it should just be, do we recommend you eat there or not? I think you Old Steakhouse is worth a visit. Yes. Okay. We're not giving it a rating system, but, you know, you might, since we both will like it, you might say it has two thumbs up. Um, <laughs> I hope that eye roll registers in audio as well as it did in video. <laughs> the silence was loud. <laughs> oh, deafening. <laughs> I give it six swims. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. And uh, so let's do this again sometimes. I, I really enjoyed this. Sure. I like eating meals with you. Yeah. Turns out. <laughs> oh, that's fine. All right. Let's go inside. Thanks very much. Talk to you next time. Bye. Make good choices. Oh, I can't reach. <laughs> Here, I'll help. Ah, ah! Fade out. Fade out. <laughs>